Acts chapter number 7. I'd like to begin reading there in verse 54. Acts 7. Begin reading in verse 54. Again, we appreciate every church that's represented. Everyone that's driven any length of distance to get here. Acts 7, beginning in verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord Lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Hear the story. The story of Stephen. The story of a man that stands for God. The story of a man that's stoned. The story of a man that cries out, Father, forgive them. And the Bible says when he says this, he falls asleep. In other words, he passes away. And it's not written, but I suppose it could be said. And he lived happily ever after. And he lived happily ever after. Friend, I don't know what tomorrow may hold for you and me. I'm not a prophet of doom. I don't know what tomorrow may. But I do know that we're living in the last of the last days. And this is not the same America that some of you was born in. It's not apple pie and grandma in church on Sundays. It's becoming increasingly more violent toward true children of God. I just want to speak to us tonight if God would help me. I just want to speak on this very simple thought and don't know how long I'll preach. I know that doesn't matter. But I want to talk to us tonight simply on this. Standing alone. Standing alone. Would you be so kind to slip your hands up to heaven, your voices up to heaven, and your hearts, and ask the good Lord to have his way. Father, I thank you, God, because you are good. You were good all the time, God, from the beginning into the end, God. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness that's over our lives. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you would touch every word spoken, everything said, everything done in this house tonight. I pray, God, let your word go forth. Let me not simply speak about you, but, Father, let me speak for you. Oh, God, let your word prevail in this place tonight. We carefully, carefully, carefully give you the glory and the honor, and the praise. For it's in Jesus' holy name we do pray. And everyone said amen. amen. Turn around, shake somebody's hand, smile at them, tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord tonight. That's it, talk to them for just a moment. There you go. It really is a wonderful thing just to be able to have a meeting just like this. 
We can come in and be with one another and just kind of draw strength just from being in the presence of one another. Amen. Just to hear you sing those songs of Zion. Amen. Just to hear you get in, just to see you lift your hands. You know, there's something about that that just strengthens me watching God bless you. Come on here. I believe every last one of us could say that in this house tonight. Just coming together and being in His presence. One with another. There's a strength that's drawn from that. Amen. It's something glorious where we can come from different states and different backgrounds, amen, different regions, and yet we come together, and together we call upon the Lord, and there's strength that's given to the child of God, and it's a wonderful, glorious thing. Can you say amen? I thank God for every opportunity that we can come. I thank God for every opportunity that we can worship together. I thank God for every time we can sing together, every time we can pray together, every time we can worship together. But, beloved, hear me. I don't know what tomorrow may bring, but we better get a hold of a God tonight that says, Lord, if we never get to come back together, we got to get a hold of something from God that we can stand if we have to stand alone with nobody else calling on God but us. We need a touch from God, beloved, that says, Lord, if nobody else is around me, I need power to stand and stand for you if I have to stand alone. God, I'm glad for meetings like this. I'm glad when I can look over and these dear, dear, dear friends and see friends that I've known for years, I can hug their neck. I can say, brother, how are you? But beloved, what if, what if they pass laws tomorrow that says this is illegal? You say, brother, this is not in the United States of America. I beg to differ, beloved. We don't know what may be coming around the corner. We better get filled with the Spirit of God. We better walk in power. We better live victoriously. Can somebody say amen? I asked a young boy that just recently graduated from the Bible school. I asked him, he'd been, been graduated a few years. And I said, what's the most difficult lesson you've had to learn since you left Bible school? He told me, he said, Brother Estes, when I was at that school, we'd have a bell to tell us when to get up. We'd have a bell to tell us when to eat. And we'd have a bell to tell us when to pray. And all it took was about one person sneezing and somebody saying, God bless you. And before you know it, eight guys, they got their hands shaking on that man saying, come on, God bless you. It was a wonderful environment. He said, but here's what I've had to learn. When that's finished, when that's gone, how to pray when I'm the only one in the room. How to seek God when not when there's not ten people around me praying for me how to pray through when I'm all by myself and so it is in our text tonight we have a man that stands but here's the glorious thing when you stand alone for God you never truly stand by yourself. He stands with you. He stands beside you. And he goes before you. Beloved, we've got churches. Some of you have got to stand alone where you are. Ain't no other church around you believe like this. Ain't nobody else around you serves God like this. And you've got to learn to stand. And you've got to learn to preach. And you've got to learn to pray. When you feel like you're the only church in your entire community that still believes in the blood and still believes believes in the book and still believes in the return of the Lord. Can you give him praise? Sometimes it's in families. You've got to stand alone. Hey, sometimes 
Sometimes it's individuals inside of families. And you have got to learn how to stand alone. When mama don't want to live holy, and when daddy don't want to live holy, and when brother don't want to live holy, and your sister don't want to live holy, it may just be you that says, as for me, and as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to walk with God. We're going to keep living this life. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep searching for him. you got to learn to stand alone. If you're going to be a twice-born man in a once-born world, you're going to find opposition. You're going to find people that don't like you living this way. You're going to find people that don't believe in this great way. You're going to find people that's going to try to persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Amen. Here is Stephen. He stands for God. He's a remarkable man in Scripture. The Bible says he has a face like an angel. Amen. Who was this man? What made him so remarkable? How could he stand all there by himself and proclaim the Word of God? Beloved, he's not a preacher, but he's got a message. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter number 6, it says, Look out for among you seven men of an honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. In verse number 5, it said that please please the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved, the secret to standing alone in these last days is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're going to stand In these last hours, it ain't going to be because they sing your favorite song every Sunday. It ain't going to even be because you hear your favorite preacher once every two or three weeks. It's going to be because you're filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God. It's going to be because God has baptized you with His divine power and spirit to give you strength, to give you help, to stand alone. just had a, a Zoom conference with ministers overseas a couple of weeks ago. And one of those men, some of those men were from the country of Sri Lanka. I didn't know this, Brother Messer, and after that meeting was over, I was talking to another pastor. And he said, every pastor in that region, every Pentecostal pastor in that region, walks with a limp because every one of them's had their legs broke by the Muslims. But when they tell you about it, they almost say it with a smile on their face as if they were so glad that they were counted worthy to suffer for the Lord Jesus. For oh God, Listen, friend, this thing ain't cash and Cadillacs. I don't care what the joy boys try to tell you. I don't care what the man that gets up there with a pretty cold gauge smile about having your best life now. No, ma'am, no, sir. It's not this life. It's a life to come. That's what we're living for. Stephen's a man that's filled with the Spirit of God. He walks in the Spirit, lives in the Spirit. And when the time comes, he has power to stand in the Spirit. Even when it means his own death. Even when it means his own persecution. 
I don't, friend, here, all I'm telling somebody is there's going to come a time, amen, somehow or another, you would think God in His mercy would keep you from it, but that's not how it works. The Lord orchestrates it for you to find yourself in a precarious situation when your back is against the wall and they've shoved you as far as you can be shoved and they're going to ask you a question and you've got to make a stand somehow or another, amen. It ain't going to be because you woke up with a good attitude. It's going to be because you filled with the Holy Ghost. When God, when God baptizes a man in the Holy Ghost, He gives him so much. But friend, can I tell you, if you're going to have that time to stand, you're going to have to say, Lord God, fill me and refill me. Fill me and refill me. Fill me and refill me. Oh, say it, son. Okay, I'm going to get in trouble, but I say it anyway. Amen. We got circles that's beginning to say the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a take it or leave it. Shrug your shoulders. Can I tell you, no, ma'am, it's not. Yes, ma'am. If that man repents of his sin, amen, if he asks God to forgive him and he falls over dead, he's coming up in that first resurrection. But if you're going to live in this wicked world, if you're going to live in this ungodly world, you need power, you need the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If, if you are ever in a service and somebody gets up and makes that statement, and they say, well, you know, the Holy Ghost, you don't really need it. After all, and then they say this, and my wife knows. She's like, Zane, calm down. Don't blow up. Don't blow up. Don't blow up. After all, he's just the icing on cake. That's all it is. He's just... And if you're ever in a sermon, you just kind of eat. No, don't make a big scene, but just ease over and look. You will see a man executing great patience because every bone in my sanctified body wants to look back at that person and say, what did you just call the third person of the triune God? Did you just compare the Holy Ghost to sugar, flour, and egg? He is not icing on the cake. He is the Spirit of God. He is the Holy Ghost. He is very real, and he is a necessity in your heart to live with power. Can somebody give him praise? Hallelujah! Amen! I still believe it. I still believe it. God baptize us. God fill us with the Holy God. Give him glory! Every book in that New Testament is written through the lens of a full gospel perspective. Come on. It is the normal Christian experience in the New Testament. It is the normal Christian experience in the New Testament. But Brother Zane, there's so many churches out there and they don't teach it, and they don't preach it, and they don't believe it. You know, the average church, just you know, don't, 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 don't talk to me about the average church. Talk to me about the normal church. <laughs> I, I didn't ask about that. I didn't ask about that. I asked about normal. 
This is the normal Christian experience. Normal Christian experience that moves mountains by his power, that calls down promises from heaven, that binds the wicked one, that sees God move in miraculous ways. Men and women born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah! Brother Brown, I heard about one little boy. He's a shoe shine boy. Man, you got finished shining them shoes, and that man looked down and said, Well, what's, what's your average tip? The boy said, Five dollars. Five dollars tip? He said, All right. Reached in that pocket, and Brother Cole gave him five bucks. The little boy took that five dollars and held up the light. He said, Mister, you're the first person to ever come up to average. <laughs> There's a lot of churches out there and they ain't never come up to this thing. Beloved, hear me. Don't talk to me about what a church down the road's doing. Don't talk to me about a church over. Look at the Word of God. Look to the book of Acts. How did they do it? What did this book say? Amen. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how they did it. That's how we do it. Somebody say amen. Turned their world upside down. They became the counterculture in a world that was round about. You know, we living in them times that Isaiah prophesied. We said they'd call good evil and evil good. They call bitter water sweet. They call sweet water bitter. We live in a world today. Great God of heaven, I take my four little girls to Walmart. And because they ain't got green hair. And because, come on, they ain't got 15 earrings hanging out their nose. They look at them like we're some kind of crazy. We ain't the crazy ones. We're Come on here. I said we ain't the crazy. We're what the Bible said. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost gives you power. I'm not, I didn't say pride to boast around like some kind of spiritual peacock. No, no, no. But it gives you power to stand when the whole world looks at you and says, man, they ain't from this world. You look back and smile and say, you're right. I'm a pilgrim passing through. <laughs> Amen. I'm an alien resident. Amen. I'm not from here. I'm going someplace. I'm living this life just to live again. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Give him the glory. Spirit-filled child of God doesn't simply find satisfaction. With saying God is resident, he says, no, God, you are president. You lead me. You guide me. You show me. You direct me. You speak into my ear. You say, but that's just God speaks to you. Amen. It may not be an audible voice. They some folks, I mean, God's turning around talking to them all the time over the least little thing. I ain't talking about that. But I am talking about a God that leads and shows and directs and directs our hearts. And I'm telling you, that's what the early church stood upon. That's what we got to get back to. There is no plan B. There is no other option. Walk in the Spirit. Because it may be coming sooner than some of us think. We will be singled out. 
And you're going to have to learn how to stand. Stand alone. And I'm sorry, but there's some folks who are going to be crossing their fingers saying, now, how did Grandma do it? How would Grandpa done it? How would they? No, 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 not how did they do it. Lord God, what did you put inside of me? What did you put inside of me? It's meetings like this where we're all together that gives us strength to go out them doors and face the enemy when we feel like we're all by ourselves. Now you can sit there and dig the dirt out from underneath your fingernails all night long. You can complain about the price of gas. You can complain about things you can't change. Or you could get in and say, Lord, fill me again with a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost in my life. Verse number 10 says, chapter number 6, and they were not able to resist the wisdom, spirit, by which he spake. Beloved, when you stand alone, you're going to need things from God. But according to Scripture tonight, here's what you'll need. You will need wisdom to speak for him. The Bible says, God gave him wisdom to speak. What about when they push you up against the wall and they say, now policy says that you can't say anything about this person's lifestyle. And policy says that you can't say, but that's just what am I supposed to say? Let me tell you, if you're asking me every little word you're supposed to say, I don't have the answer for it, but here's what I know. If you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, he'll give you wisdom of what you will need to say and when you will need to say it and how you will need to say it and where you'll need to say it. He'll give wisdom. I had a pastor and his wife tell me one time she worked at a dry cleaners, Brother Messer. And her boss came up to her and says, Now listen, there's this man and he owes me some money. So here's what you're going to do you're going to overcharge that man for so long till I get all my money out of him. And she said, Sir, I'm a Christian. I can't do that. He, Brother Al, that boss, the boss man, said, look back at that woman. He said, I'm the boss. You telling me you're not going to do what I said do? She put her head down for just a moment. She said, I felt the Lord prick my heart. I looked back up at him and said, sir, all I'm telling you is if I steal from that man today, I will steal from you tomorrow. <laughs> That man put his head down, walked out that room, never said another thing to that preacher's wife. All I'm telling somebody, son, I don't know what to tell you about tomorrow. I don't know what to tell you about next week. But if you'll let God fill you with a fresh anointing, he'll give you the words. He'll give you the words. He'll put them in your mouth. Somebody give him praise. What do you say? What do you say to that backslidden son? What do you say to that hard-hearted daughter-in-law? I don't know, but he knows, and he knows what you need when you need it. I was there in Brazil. I'm sorry, story time, Brother Zane. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tell so many stories. One of them pastors told me, Brazilian pastor said, I was smuggling Bibles into communist China. I said, great. He said, we got, I got five suitcases full of Bibles 
right underneath that guard's nose. I mean, over, I can go in time and get all them. He said, that sixth time I come through that line, that, that guard looked at me, held up that hand. Put that suitcase luggage up there. Zip, zip, zip. Open that thing up. Slap full of Bibles, Brother Michael. That guard looked at me and him and said, <clears throat> What do we have here? You are in big trouble. He said, before I even thought to say anything, said the Lord spoke to me and said to him, say to that man, I ain't the one in trouble. You're the one in trouble. Yeah, come on, brother. Sure enough, he said, I ain't the one. You're the one. That Chinese guard looks back at him and says, why am I the one in trouble? The Brazilian guard looked back, that Brazilian preacher looked back and said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm the, one, I'm the one the Bible's God. You got He said, a word of wisdom began to flow. And he said, I looked back at that guard and said, I have you to know, young man, for the last five times in a row, I've smuggled suitcases full of Bibles right underneath your nose. And I cannot wait for you to take me to your superior so I can let him know that for the last five times in a row, you, sir, have failed. You are in big, big trouble, sir. He said that Chinese man put down his head, zipped that suitcase, pointed his finger, and simply said, go. He said, I eased those Bibles into China. Are oh, you hearing me? He'll give you the words. He'll give you the I don't know what you need to say. I don't know what you need to do. But I know this. He'll give you the word that you need to say when you need to say it. Can somebody give him praise? When they push you. They pin you against that wall. Listen to God. Luke 21 and 12. Before these things, listen, they shall lay their hands on you. That means it's going to get rough. They'll persecute you, delivering you up into the synagogues and into the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for thy name's sake. And verse 13 says this, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. So live therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. Amen. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And they push you. You go down to that church, or y'all do that. Are you one of those? And so, all I can tell you is, is what you get a hold of here tonight has everything to do with how you respond tomorrow. What you get a hold of in that morning has everything to do with how you respond to that 3.30 phone call that comes out of nowhere. And when you don't even see it coming, and before you know it, man, they got complaints over nothing. I mean, one man said some folks would complain if their ice cream was cold. Say amen. I mean, and you're like, what? where did that even come? All I can tell you is when you're filled with the Spirit of God, He begins to give you wisdom that you didn't have on your own. He begins to help you in ways you couldn't imagine it was there. That's what God does. What do I say, preacher? I'm not here to tell you what to say. 
How should I respond? I'm not here to tell you how to respond. I'm here to tell you if you'll get filled with this good Holy Ghost, he'll tell you what to say. And he'll tell you how to respond. And he'll give you wisdom. Oh, God. I'm in El Salvador. We worked the police department down there. And there was a good brother, El Salvadorian brother. And there was a radio station that was coming to interview us for something, whatever it was. And they said, while we're waiting, you want, you want to go down to where we keep the, the prisoners and you, you can preach to those men and hold him? I said, well, sure, man, I'd love to. I mean, young, ignorant, no clue what I'm about to get myself into. First guy walks, he, I'm not exaggerating, he takes one step in, he goes, <coughs> and backs up. And he just motions me, and I knew that was a dumb move, but I kept on going anyway. <laughs> and I walk in there, and that was just pugnacious, and you couldn't hardly breathe. And there's a cell to my right, and it's supposed to be able to hold a maximum of 15 men. And there's 40 men in that cell. And to my left, there's supposed to be another one that holds about a maximum of 15 men. And on my left, there's another 40 men, and all each other slithering over each other like rats. There's a little slot in the bottom where they shove the food. The strong eat, the weak starve. And finally, when my eyes kind of readjusted to the darkness, I could see there was one cut in the top of that little tent and shine the light down through it. And finally, you look around and you say, this, this isn't a jail. This is a cage. It's a human cage. They never let them out. They stay there for months and months at a time if they ever get out alive. And I'm looking, and I'm looking around and Lord, what am I going to say to these men? And there's, Brother John, there's one thing that comes to my mind, and I knew it had to be God. And I said, men, there's a story in this Bible, a true story of a rich man and a poor man by the name of Lazarus. The poor man dies and goes to heaven. The rich man, I explained the whole story. Most of you know the story. And I said, men, that rich man probably didn't choose to die that day. And Lazarus probably didn't choose to be born and poor in a poor environment. And there are some choices that are out of our hands. I said, but men, you've got one choice left that's still in your hands. That's where you'll spend eternity. And just as that poor man and that rich man had one choice left where to spend eternity, I said, men, you've got one choice where to spend eternity. You've got no other choices other than that. There'll be a judge that lays down a gavel and tells you where to spend the rest of your life. But you can do one thing. You can accept Jesus as your Savior and say this life may be a wreck, but the life to come is going to be glorious. I can't tell you all of them got saved that day. There was a number of them, Brother Bill, that raised their hand and said, it's the only choice I got left. All I'm telling somebody tonight is if you would let God baptize you and rebaptize you and fill you and refill you and touch you and retouch you again, he will give you the wisdom to speak for him. Oh, slip your hands up to heaven and give him praise in this house, church. says in Acts chapter number 7 verses 51 and 52 you stiff neck uncircumcised in heart and ears you do always resist the Holy Ghost as did your fathers did so, so do ye which of the prophets have you not your fathers persecuted 
They have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Beloved, in, in Stephen's life, it's not only marked by wisdom, it is marked by power. We need wisdom to speak for Christ, power to stand with Christ. Listen, he's before men. If he'll just play these things right, if he'll just come down, I'm sorry. What? I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. I went a little overboard, Sanhedrin. Now you know, I just got a little cold up, and then I, 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 he could have played all that, but he'd lost out on God. The man stands up. I mean, like there is a battalion of Roman guards behind him, but he knows, man, those weaklings, that ain't that ain't compared to what I got. I got angelic arms behind me. And he says, you're stiff-necked, you uncircumcised people. He said, you're the one that murders him, as you did your father's. Friend, hear me. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm not talking about being sassy. I'm not talking about, talking about walking up to somebody and trying to show them what a better person you are than them. That ain't what we're talking about at all. But there comes a power to stand when nobody else is standing around you. There comes a power where you say, you know what? I know they don't live it in. I know they don't believe it. But we still do. And the book hadn't changed. And we're just going to keep doing what we know is right. In the Bible, son, the opposite, the opposite of bravery is not cowardness. It is always conformity. You could test the bravery of a man, not because he wasn't frightened about something good and mercy, but because he looked back and he said, we will not bow. We will not budge. We will not bend. You do what you desire done. We're going to hold on to God's unchanging I don't care how many attaboys you get. That's not going to give you power like Holy Ghost going to give you power. I don't care how many text messages you get. That ain't going to give you power like Holy Ghost gives you power. Amen. Listen, friend, I'm glad any time I get a call from one of the, amen, first thing this morning, I got a call from Brother Mike Metzger way out there in western Montana. I mean, it's early in my time. It's, it's two, three hours earlier his time. He said, man, I'm up praying for you. Everything okay? I told him, man, I just got finished praying about something. You just let me know God's done heard that prayer. Amen. I'm down. Just feel the goodness of the Lord. I'm glad, Brother John, for times like that. But there may come a time you don't get anybody and you got to hold on to the unchanging hand of God. And it's wisdom to speak. And it's power to stand. Can I tell you, sometimes the hardest thing you have to stand for are people that are closest to you, even your own family. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's times you had to look. We've had, I'm sorry. I honor my mother. I love her with all my heart. But we don't do that, and you know we don't. So don't try that with the grandkids. Smile. <laughs> Be kind. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go down that road. Doesn't that make things uncomfortable? Sure, it makes things uncomfortable. But you know what would make things a whole lot more uncomfortable? If we lose our children trying to be polite to everybody under the sun. 
Oh, Lord. I said losing our children trying to be polite to everybody underneath the sun. Amen. Losing our loved ones trying to be just smiling. Let me tell you, there's going to be things that ain't nobody going to want but just you and the people that love God. He didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. He said there'd be five in the house. I'd put three against two. I'd put two against three. He's going to cause a division between holy and unholy. Sometimes it ain't easy, but you've got to stand for it. Fear not them that kill the body, not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Friend, hear me. If the devil can find fear in your heart, you remind yourself this. What fear is to the devil, faith is to God. How God works through faith, Satan works through fear. You let that fear stay there. You don't push that out in the name of Jesus. That thing grows. It gets bigger. It gets bolder every single day. I'm not saying Goliath grew out there on that platform, but I can assure you every day he's cursing Israel. He's a little bigger in them Israelites' eyes. Amen. Only David stands there with faith and says, No, sir, that giant's coming down today. You come against me with sword and spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Listen, friend, I'm telling somebody, I don't know what you're facing tonight, but you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost to have the power. Power to stand against it. I'll say this and I'll move on and close tonight. I'm there in it was Kenya, I guess it was. Man, I mean, we make this turn and I'm surrounded by these guys and these long white dresses. You know, they got their little white hats on, these Muslim guys. And they turn around and there's Brother Godfrey and Brother Benson and Brother Zane. And all of a sudden they start chanting, Masungu, 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 Masungu. Get familiar with that word. It means white man, white man. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> that Irish skin, that hey man, thanks, appreciate it. And man, they're raising their fist at me. I'm thinking to myself, Lord God, if there was a time you'd. And sure enough, old Brother Benson leans over, he smiles, he taps me on the, on the knee. He says, do not worry, brother, I know the leader. He stands up, Benson motions to that one leader man. That one, I, I kid you not, that one leader, man, that leader guy looks around at all those other ones and just goes like this. He goes, and 500 of them, Brother Brown, just get quiet as a church mouse. And the Lord reminded my heart right there, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You just stand. You stand for me. When it's your time, it'll go. They asked D.L. Moody, they said, do you think you have what it takes to be a martyr? D.L. Moody said, no, I do not because no one's looking to kill me right now. But if someone were looking to kill me, God would give me the grace and the power to stand as a martyr. Amen. Friend, he did it for Stephen. I don't know what we may have to face, church, but I'm telling you, if you'll just get filled with the Holy Ghost, when that time comes, you'll be able to stand and say, God, you are true. They've got their gods. I've seen them. I've seen them all types. You go on enough mission trip, man, you see them all types. I was in Vietnam, and every morning, you, you, I mean, first thing in the morning, that every, every, not every place, most every place, would have a Buddha there, and they'd always have three little bowls. A bowl filled with rice, a bowl filled with tea leaves, and a bowl filled with sugar. 
something for their God to eat, something for their God to drink, and something to make it sweet with. And I'd look at their God, and I'd say, every morning, someone has to get up and feed you. <laughs> that ain't how it works for my God. <laughs> Every morning I get up and I pray, God, would you give me this day, my daily? And I don't go out of my way. He says, Zane, I'll feed you. I'll supply for you. I'll give you the strength to stand. Somebody give him glory. I'll give you the strength to stand. I'll give you the strength to praise. Hallelujah. I went by one morning, Brother Michael. I looked over there and there was one of them little Buddha gods. And somebody had done put a Red Bull energy drink down there. I said, now that is one lazy God right there. I ain't answering nothing till I finish this. That ain't how it works for my God. Amen. Save me. I'm, I'm closing. Wisdom to speak for him. Power to stand for him. Faith to suffer for him. I know we don't like getting around that because in our little minds, everything just comes out. We're all unscathed and unharmed, and that's not how it works in the Bible. And it's probably not how it's going to work in these end times. I'm not, I'm not putting this in tribulation or anything like that. I'm just saying just the natural course of events, persecution against God-fearing people. Verse number 56 of chapter 7. He said, Behold, I see the heavens open. And the Son of Man standing on the right hand. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They ran upon him with one accord. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. Witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And, stoned, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon the name of the Lord. We get the idea that if we have enough faith, we'll never suffer. That's not how the Bible teaches it. That's not how the Bible preaches it. Faith doesn't get you out of trouble. Faith gives you the power to suffer in that trouble and say, God, I'll keep my victory in this time. I know everybody in there, everybody and brother, so and so, oh, get me out of this trouble, get me out of this trouble. It may not be God's divine will to get you out of every single trouble. It may be God's will to get in trouble with you and say, I'm going to be in that fiery furnace beside you. I'm going to be there when the flames burn. I'm going to show you that I'm God, if you'll walk with me. Oh, brother, that's just pray I don't have any hard times. You'll never know what true Christianity is. I've had people say before, and I'm trying to close, and I can't figure out where to close, so I'll figure it out later. I've had them say, why do some Christians suffer, brother Estes? My question back to them is simply this. Not why do some Christians suffer, but rather why do some Christians not suffer? That's what puzzles me. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen. If you're walking with God, guess what? There's a bullseye on you somewhere. And friend, if you ain't got no troubles in this world, it may just be because you're in, you're in collusion with the devil, not collision with the devil. Amen. I mean, so long as you're floating downstream with him, everything's going to be fine. It's when you turn around and go the opposite direction that the enemy tries to come against you with everything that is God. Friend, hear me. We need hearts again. And to say, God, this good Holy Ghost will give me wisdom to speak. It'll give me power to stand. It'll even give me faith to suffer. Hallelujah. 
Scripture, okay. Hebrews 11.32. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jetham, of David, Samuel, also of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, had a weakness were made strong, waxed valiant and fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again. Who wouldn't want that kind of ministry? But that's not how the passage ends. I mean, if that's all you got, it's bombs bursting in air. I mean, just slaughter and everything. Here's how the other half reads. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Moreover, of bonds and imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And then he puts them all together and says, And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. He took those that saw miracles, he took those that saw persecution, and he put them together and said they're both in the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Peter preaches. He gets 3,000 souls. Stephen preaches. He gets 3,000 stones. Which one was anointed? Both were. One preaches and sees thousands saved. One pre- not say three thousand stones. Give me liberty. I don't know how many. I'm just saying. One man stoned to death, and he's just as much in the will of God. Oh God. Oh, hear me, young man. I'm glad for every testimony you come back to this church and tell about somebody you found, amen, in a bus, at a Walmart, wherever it may be, and how God turned it all around. But can I tell you, it's just as much of a testimony to say you came back and they laughed you to scorn, but you told them the truth. It's just as much of a testimony to say that they spit at your feet and ran you out of town for preaching the gospel truth. I'm sorry it's story time tonight, but man, I'm just suddenly coming to me. I'm a young man. I'm in Cuba. And I meet a very elderly gentleman by the name of Mario Benitez. He's got that dark Caribbean skin, but those, I mean, absolute sapphire blue eyes. And he told me when he was a young man, they came to him and said, if you don't forsake this Pentecostal church, you can line up with Catholicism, but outside of that, we will throw you in a concentration camp. He said, they put me in that concentration camp. And he points to the end of his finger. And he said, every day, brother, he said, every day for breakfast, they gave me a piece of bread. He said, that long. And for dinner, he did his hand like that. He said, they gave me a little bowl of field peas. It'd be covered in maggots. But you're so hungry, you just ate it anyway. And he said, they put me in a ward with nothing but homosexual men. He said, because they knew, he told me, he said, because they knew they would kill me. I said, Mario, what did you do, brother? I'll never forget, brother. But Brownie lifts that little finger to heaven. He says this. He says, I preach. I preach. I preach. 
And he said, the men in that ward started crying out, what must I do that I might be saved? That I might be saved. He said, they took me out of that ward and put me in another ward with the nation's worst murders. He said, because they know they kill me. And I asked him again, son. I said, Mario, what did you do? He pointed that finger to heaven one more time. He said, I preach. I preach. I preach. He said, those murderers started crying out, what must I do that I might be saved? He said, every day, they would sit me down, and they would scream, and this year and this year, he said, for three hours every single day, sign the paper, young fool, and you can be set free. They told me everyone at the church had signed it. My wife had signed it. He said, I knew that was a lie. They had not signed it. He said, finally, after a long time, they said, this is a foolish young man. He can do us no harm, and they released me. He said, in the last days, He said, one of the guards said to him, in 30 years, there'll not be one Pentecostal left on the island of Cuba. And I'll never forget, the elderly gentleman turned around and he looked at me. He said, Brother Zane, today we have 59 underground churches and over 5,000 Pentecostals walk the streets of Havana. <laughs> Fidel Castro's going to come, and that man's gone, amen. If he didn't repent, he's in hell. But God's still got a church, and God's still got a people, and God's still got a bride. Can somebody give him praise? I'm close. Sister Esther, she helped me on this piano. And in these last days, son, we need Holy Ghost power. Because we're going to have to learn to stand. We have to stand by ourselves. We're going to have to have the power, the wisdom, the faith. The faith, the power, the wisdom. The wisdom, the power, and the faith. Stand for The man knocked on that German monk by the name of Martin Luther, knocked on his door. The little German opened the door. The man looked at him and said, Luther, the whole world is against you. And the little German said back, yes, and I against the whole world. And he shut the door. Don't nobody believe this way. The whole world's against, yes. And I against the whole world. And this book against the whole world. And truth against the whole world. Gospel against the whole world. Divine power against the whole world. It's true. It's yea and it's amen. And beloved, no matter what we may face, if we'll face it filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, He'll give us the strength. He'll give us the faith. He'll give us the wisdom to endure even until the end.